0: You've already seen and heard a portion of um, what we have today. It's on God's messengers. You could consider this time period in the life of the people of Israel, their dark ages. They had spent enough time ignoring God that eventually he allowed their tribes and their kingdom to be split between a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom contained 10 tribes of the 12, and then the southern kingdom included Judah and Jerusalem. They were all down in the southern portion. And, uh, you know, really, truthfully, God didn't need even all. all, He only needed just one tribe, Judah, to work through in order to bring Jesus forward, his son. Because the promise went to David that out of his line would come the Messiah, Jesus himself. But God continued to woo, he continued to love, he continued to reach out to this rebellious group of people who continued to harden their hearts against him. Not only did they harden their hearts against God and go their own way, they started worshiping other gods who were really no gods at all because they fashioned these idols. They had ears, but they couldn't hear. They had mouths, but they couldn't speak. And that was the whole story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal up on this hillside, 450 prophets of Baal. And, uh, and they not only did they just ignore God, they started worshiping other gods in place of the one true God. And so as a result of that, God wanted to bring messengers to the kings as well as to the people to try to get them back to worshiping him. And we see now, through these prophets that we're looking at, miracles begin to happen again. It's been a little while in our journey through the Old Testament that we've really seen an outbreak of miraculous events. We saw it with Moses and the people of Israel when he delivered them out of Egypt and he, you know, parted the Red Sea. He provided miraculous food for them out in the desert. Water came out of rocks. We saw miracles during that period of time, but now it's been, it's been some centuries now. But when I, my own personal belief is, is when God wants to get people's attention, oftentimes he'll not only use messengers, but he'll also use miracles to gain our attention and to draw our attention back to himself. And so we see reinstituted here with these prophets some miraculous events, like the event of Elijah up on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal, where where fire just comes out of heaven and and consumes those sacrifices that have been soaked with water. We see Elisha, another prophet, who raises the Shunammite woman's son from the dead. We see these events taking place, and we see them also speaking words to the leaders on behalf of God to get them to once again return and listen to him. Unfortunately, they fell on deaf ears. There were nine prophets who spoke to 19 different kings over a period of 208 years. And all of these met very limited success. One of the only prophets who had a city turn and had people actually listen to the message was Jonah. Jonah, as we know, is a very reluctant prophet, didn't want to go. Then he, God intervened and set him in the belly of a fish, and, 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 you know, it's amazing when you're sitting in the belly of a fish how that can get your attention and cause you to cry out to God. And so that's what Jonah did, and God spit him out, Jonah went to the, to the Ninevites, they weren't even Israelites. They were Assyrians. And he said, if you guys don't get your act together, God is going to come and destroy your city and destroy you. And they all repented. And you would think that Jonah would have been happy, but instead he went off and pouted about that and said, God, I knew that if I said that message, you would, they would probably repent and then you would probably spare them. And I feel like a fool now. Well, it wasn't about Jonah, you know, it wasn't. Elijah had a similar kind of experience in his journey when he discovered all this great miracle on on Mount Carmel with this fire coming down, and then he went and spoke to Ahab and Jezebel. Jezebel was known as the Cruella de of the Old Testament. If you guys know Cruella de that'll give you a picture of Jezebel. And uh, they sought his life. And so here's Elijah running for his life. And he's uh, in a cave and he's pouting and he's crying out to God. And, and that's where we have this great uh, illustration of the voice of God. If you've ever heard of the still, small voice of God, that was with Elijah when he was in a cave. And he sent an earthquake, he sent this great wind, he sent all of this... This uh, shock and awe and boom and and all that noise. And it said, but the Lord was not in that. And then it calmed down and there was this still small voice speaking. And God said this to Elijah. He said, Elijah, you aren't the only one left. I still have 7,000 who have not bowed down to Baal. And so even though everything around Elijah looked as dark and as bleak and as impossible as it did, and he was depressed and despondent and and in a bad place, God comes and says, Take heart. Don't be so down. It's not as bad as it seems. There are still others that are following me and obeying me and walking with me. So Then we have uh, Elisha, another prophet, and then we have Amos, and then we have Hosea. Hosea was a prophet that God told to actually marry a prostitute named Gomer. And she was an actively unfaithful woman. It was tough to be a prophet of God. You had to go with messages that people wanted to kill you when you said them. You had to marry a prostitute who was unfaithful. And the reason God asked Hosea to do that was because he wanted to demonstrate through the relationship that Hosea had with his wife how God felt about the people of Israel. And here was God loving all of these wonderful people who had hearts like prostitutes, unfaithful to him, and yet God was reaching out to them. So he gave him this picture of Hosea marrying Gomer, and, and I'm not even going to go there on the name Gomer, because I could. And I'm not going to say something there, because I would think if your name was Gomer, of course you would kind of feel a little bit uh, out of sorts with yourself. So, But it's an, ima- it's an illustration of God's activity to try to win people by whatever means possible. If it means that you would respond to him in love as he blesses you and pours out prosperity on your life, great, follow him, love him, thank him, bless him, serve him. Unfortunately, it's when the prosperity and the ease and the comfort comes that we begin to forget God and we begin to kind of wander off from him. And so it's only with pain and heartache sometimes that we actually draw our attention back to God. And even then, sometimes we don't do it. Even then, we harden our hearts and we cry out and we say, God, how dare you bring this disaster upon my life? When in reality, it's an act of love to try to gain your attention and bring you back to himself. So, in our context here today, as we're here together, we're thinking about our own personal lives, I think that there are people and messengers that God brings to us. I would say that there are people that God brings to you individually, sometimes unexpected sources and individuals that kind of get your attention and draw you back to him. It may be circumstances that occur in your life that take you back to God when you have wandered off from him. A defeat, a disappointment, and an act of, of, of loss that causes you to return and realize that you had wandered off. Or sometimes it's a person. Like I say, sometimes it's a circumstance. Sometimes it's a person. A friend, a stranger, someone, something that causes you to rethink the course of your life and causes you to refocus yourself upon God. He will do whatever it takes to hopefully get your attention. And over a period of time, we have choices that we make when God tries to speak with us and keep us on his path. And the thing that keeps us from listening to him is a hard heart. A heart that isn't willing to hear the message he has for us. We get our ears sort of stopped up. And all of a sudden, those messages are coming to us, one after the other after the other, and we don't hear them. We don't see it. We don't receive it. We don't respond to it. We're deaf and blind and dumb to it all. And uh, so God wants us to have very sensitive ears and hearts to respond to him. Then sometimes nationally, corporately, even within a context of a congregation, a messenger appears with a message from God that tries to draw our attention back and our focus back because not only do we stray off from God as individuals, we stray off from him collectively sometimes as a church or as a nation. And a prophet is never a popular person. In fact, it's hard to be a prophet. It's a gift. It's a calling. It's something that God places in people's lives to be bold and go speak these words knowing that more than likely they're going to get beat down for it because it's not popular. It's not something that we like to hear and yet it's a necessary word that needs to be spoken. And do we have people, do you have people first of all or circumstances that you have in your life? You know whenever they want to talk to you you kind of groan inside because they don't have anything good to say to you. Or they're going to say something that you're not going to want to hear, but inside you're going to know that they're right. We all need a friend like that. I've had people like that. Whenever they called, you wouldn't hear from them, then out of the blue. And they would come to me and they would tell me all these things, and then they'd say, but. I just kept waiting for the but. You know, you guys do the same thing sometimes with somebody. And yet, as much as I didn't want to hear what they had to say, I knew they were right. Because no, none of us likes to change our ways. None of us likes to readjust the way we are because we get kind of comfortable in our ways. There I say we get set in our ways, oftentimes, with things. And so, <clears throat> here we have all of these prophets that God sends to all of these kings. And we can look at those others and we think, well, how could they not have listened? How could they have been so hard-hearted? How could they not have turned around and turned their way back to God? Well, they'd become complacent, rebellious, disobedient. And they'd lost track of, of who God was. When we lose track of who God is, I'll tell you something. Our relationship with God is so connected that when we lose track of who he is, friends, we lose track of who we are because our identity is totally wrapped up in our relationship with God. Who we are, our relationship, how we're to live, how we're to act, how we're to think, how we're to feel, how we're to forgive, everything about our lives and our identity and who we are is tied up in our relationship with God. When we lose track of who he is, we lose sight of who we are and how we're to be in our lives. That's how it works. And so it's vitally important for all of us to know him, and to serve him, and to love him, and to obey him, and follow him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's why we gather here on Sundays. That's why we, if, if you have a devotional life, you'll open your Bible every morning, and you'll read a little bit from the Scripture and. You'll have a little prayer time. It's to stay in touch because it's so easy to get off track. And not only just a little bit off track, sometimes we get all off the rails altogether. And we're way out there somewhere. God's Spirit will keep nudging you back, keep speaking to you. And we might say, Lord, I don't want to hear it right now. I don't have time for you right now. So, this message that we have today has to do with God's love for you and for me and the people and the circumstances He creates in our lives for the purpose of knowing and loving us. He has given us much, and to whom much is given, much is required. We know that that is true. This is also a message of hope today. It's not a message of gloom and doom. You see, because... We're not to be discouraged and to think that we're the only ones left who are trying to worship God or walk with God or serve God or love God. There's there's a multitude of people walking with him. And I hope that you would number yourself among those and say, count me in. I'm one of those. I'm one of those people that in spite of how dark it gets around me, in spite of whatever the circumstances are, whatever anybody else is doing in in this world around me or in this life or in this culture, in this setting, in my family, among my friends, whatever else there is going on around me, no matter how far off others might be, I will be counted among those who walk with God, who love Him, who serve Him, are sold out to Him. This is the one and only life that I have and that's the way I'm going to live it. Lord, I pray today that as we see this message of of your messengers who you sent to one king after another after another, messenger after messenger after messenger, you sent plagues, you sent famines, you sent war, you sent hardship, you sent bad kings, to try to gain everyone back to yourself, whatever it took. We pray, God, that each of us here today would refocus our attention upon you, that we would embrace those messages that come from others and circumstances in our life that we don't like to hear, but know we need to hear, because it's all for the purpose of bringing ourselves back in line with you. And for anyone who is straight off, who this morning sits here and is aware that that's where they're at, their, their thinking has gone to bad places, their lives have gone to wrong places, their attitudes have turned sour, their, their, their experiences are just negative all the time, and all they see is dark around them, it isn't dark, because you are with us, you have your people, you have us, and you want us, Lord. You so desire to have a relationship with us. And you'll do whatever it takes to bring that to us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to receive our offering now.